0: Welcome to the Mark McSee Supersonic Food Marketing Podcast brought to you by BDO, the trusted accountancy and advisory firm. BDO really are the go-to team to help your hospitality business succeed, providing expert support and advice across all your corporate finance, due diligence, tax and accounting needs. BDO have been a champion of our industry for many years and are really proud to support many of the best brands in hospitality. If you want to make sure your business is in the safest of hands financially, BDO would love to take you for a coffee to understand your business vision so that they can help you get there. Get in touch today at bdo.co.uk to chat about how BDO can help take your hospitality business to the top and please say that I sent you. Super Sonic!
1: Super Sonic! Super Sonic! Super Sonic! Super Sonic. Supersonic Supersonic Sonic Supersonic 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 Super Sonic. Super
0: Sonic. From Supersonic Inc this is the Mark McSee supersonic marketing podcast the rocket fuel podcast for food, drink and hospitality businesses everywhere. Listen up, tell all your friends and share with your colleagues. Every single episode is packed full of tips, tricks, and advice on how you can make your brand BOOM So today I'm in London came straight to the studio got a Pret Deliveroo uh, the lazy man that I am and it arrived promptly as did my next guest Viv Krask. Viv is a food technology expert in the sense of digital systems rather than genetically modified stuff but He's a real expert in how you can really use the digital ecosystems like review sites, like delivery, like retail, e commerce, and like the behemoth that is Amazon, putting all of these things together so that food and drink brands can get a wider reach, wider engagement, and sell so much more online. Some really exciting stuff in there. I learned so much from Viv, so I'm so grateful. And I'm sure that you will too. So it gives me the most don't drink an Amazon Prime pleasure ever to introduce my fellow bearded Brighton brother, <laughs> Mr. Viv Krask. Hello.
1: Hi. How's it going? I love bearded Brighton brother. <laughs> I think we need to start a company that's just called bearded Brighton brother. Fuck by Thanks Slim Mark. Remix.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, funk soul brother. Um, yeah, well, we've had a recent relationship. Yeah, you know, uh, you know, just marked it up on Facebook. Well, you know, we'll see. And <laughs> <laughs> you're only human. Um, but yeah, we, we've kind of had a tiny online relationship, and uh, we've caught up. And I think I was so excited about you because it's just a world which we'll get into um, that I that I don't really know. Um, So it would be really good for you to describe what you do. Um, Because I even just asked you, Ellen, you're like, yeah, that's a good question. Um, So that would be really good. And I think this topic out of a lot of the ones we've done lately is going to blow people's minds and really make them
1: think differently and bring them some real value. So,
0: Mm. yeah, tell us about you. All
1: right. Well, I'll do the short version. So um, I'm Viv and I'm a food tech consultant and I also run an Amazon agency. And I've just started both of those projects because I spent the last three years as an MD of my supermarket, Mm -hmm. which is a grocery comparison site, you know, four million monthly users in the UK. But on the back end, it was an e-commerce consultancy working with some of the biggest uh, FMCG, food Mm -hmm. and drink brands and retailers. So working with the likes of Tesco and Asda and... um, Uh, an online retailer that I was going to mention that I'm not allowed to, Um, and, you know, Mars and Nestle, P&G, Unilever, all those big brands. Mm -hmm. So um, we thought what would be interesting would be to talk a little bit about what we can learn from that world of sort of grocery retailer Mm -hmm. and how that might um, apply to the world of restaurants and all that kind of good stuff.
0: So just going back a bit then, so what is an Amazon agency? What
1: does that mean? Yeah, that's the first question that people ask. Yeah. Yeah. Because it sounds funky as you like. Well, but... you know, it's got it's got Amazon in there, so um, you know, it sounds good. So, uh, essentially what we do is we provide Amazon services to food brands mm. who either want to um drive sales of their brand online mm-hmm. or manage their brand presence online. And I think what's interesting about it is that when people think of Amazon initially, they think of it as just oh, that thing that I buy my stuff from. Mm-hmm. But particularly when it comes to um, restaurant brands, I think there's probably four or five key advantages to it. So, mm-hmm. So first off, it's a massive retailer. So there's opportunities there. And it might be a small channel compared with you know, a physical retail estate or, or mm. other online options. But it's a really interesting one. Mm-hmm. But the thing that really stands out for me is that when it comes to people searching for products generally in the UK now, more people start on Amazon than they start on Google. Yeah. So it tipped two years back. So now 52% of people start searching for stuff on Amazon, Shut so up. it's a product review. That's not a, true. A, is know, it? A, is it? a product search place? So if you're if you if you spent tens of thousands of pounds on your lovely. Branded restaurant website, and you're which no one's going to, by the way. <laughs> Let me just tell you, because you've got no
0: SEO, you've got no Facebook pixel. Come on, guys.
1: Well, that's the thing. They they <laughs> they, they are going to Amazon. So, um, I looked at Nando's this morning, mm. and the number, one, uh, no, number <laughs> one, number one, number uh, one link in Google for Nando's is, of course, the Nando's website. Mm-hmm. Number two is ASDA, and then there's a big sponsor block at the top, which is the ad to take people to Amazon to buy their to buy their sources wow. so you've got a big retail site big for product discovery mm-hmm. it's a massive search engine as well and then i think two two other really interesting things you've got ratings and reviews mm-hmm. so all these companies working with the likes of Yumpingo pingo and feed it back to get in store mm-hmm. um ratings and reviews what about if you have branded products what about getting ratings and reviews from real users when they have time that would either give you feedback on your product Mm -hmm. um, potentially on the brand but also around your marketing and how you're communicating that brand Mm -hmm. and then finally there's 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 options in 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 amazon where you get people to subscribe to your product so if you um have had someone into pizza express and they love your dressing well you could say to them well why don't you um go and buy on amazon and if they like it they buy it every month mm. and then what a simple way to drive loyalty. Yeah. You can probably reduce your costs of your online marketing because people are thinking about you all the time because it's in the fridge yeah. all the time. Not just yeah. when they happen to remember when they're when they when they're walking to Tesco. So there's a whole range of untapped opportunities. Yeah. And the sense I got having a look around is that the vast majority of restaurant brands, QSRs, Foodie mm-hmm. Go, haven't even thought about this. Mm-hmm. As a channel, so to me, it kind of feels like a little secret, untapped area Mm. of 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 opportunity, right? Which is what everyone's looking for.
0: It's amazing, and you know, and I've been talking about Amazon being the Google of products lately, but that seems unfair that if Amazon's (laughs) actually doing better in terms of sales. So I think um, Christ, there's so much in there. So the main thing on my mind, top of mind at the moment, is the devil's advocate thing right having sitting me or these you know restaurateurs and and, you know restaurant owners and so they'll go right that's fine mate but i don't have a cookbook i don't have a sauce i don't have a um what's the advice for people like that i mean what should they do how how could they do something relevant on amazon if they're just a pure play restaurant What what could you do
1: yeah so i think i think like if you're listening to this you're probably in one or two groups of people right you've either got a cookbook or some kind of packaged product mm-hmm. and so the advice is well you want to check out the potential for Amazon not just for sales but across your whole suite of digital marketing seeing it as a marketing tool mm-hmm. not not a sales channel um and if you don't you know I know this is going to sound very glib <laughs> but I think these days you really should and I think that's because how people are thinking about restaurant brands mm-hmm. is changing hugely, especially with Deliveroo and Just Eat. There's mm-hmm. multiple more touch points. You're not just a physical store mm-hmm. anymore. I mean, how about how about this for, for a thought experiment? If you were to launch Pret today, I'm not sure I would start with a physical store mm-hmm. because I could launch Pret in a very small production kitchen mm-hmm. and deliver it through Just Eat or deliver it immediately mm-hmm. and look at the traction. I'd still have all the advantages of the production kitchen mm-hmm. with a, with with a hub and spoke model, and maybe I get onto retail. But mm-hmm. you could imagine a future where where maybe you wouldn't. So, with challenger brands coming up thinking that way, mm-hmm. I think it's important for retail brands, restaurants, to think of themselves not just as the in store dining experience, yeah. but how they can productize that experience and how they can use that both for sales mm. and for um, marketing and, 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 and all of yeah. I, I, I remember I, I worked for a big, a big um, food and beverage group four or five years back. And they said that their goal was to get people uh, dining in an extra once a year. Mm-hmm. And the current average was, I think two, it's usually two, three. Yeah. So to go from two to three was a big deal for them and so if that's the game we're playing does it really sound that ridiculous that a product that can be easily searched for when you're searching Mm -hmm. for the brand name or easily found through a whole new huge group of people on amazon does it sound so ridiculous that a way into your restaurant Mm -hmm. might be through search or discovery or product marketing to me that doesn't sound silly it just means you have to think about things Quite a bit differently, right? Yeah,
0: and it's an investment, and you know, a lot of people say it's a distraction and and all these things, but I think it could be really powerful. So, just sticking in the Amazon thread for a bit, and we're going to come on to last mile delivery and all these things. I mean, I got a Pret delivery this morning to the studio because I was just short on time. So, you know, there you go. Then, you know, Pret didn't need that store. um, And there's one
1: two minutes where we are right now. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, so sticking in the Amazon thread it would be good to almost like start from the start, right? So you've got, let's say you're Yo Sushi, right? Who's very dear to my heart. So Yo Sushi, I've got, um, package products just started being in retail, you know, so they are, uh, doing some really interesting sort of new things and, and, finding different avenues. So let's say you've got that. You're not on Amazon yet. What's the first step? How do you do that? How do you go out, set up a shop? How do you,
1: what, what happens? Well, it's relatively easy. The mm-hmm. only thing that complicates it is whether your product is ambient or fresh. So let's say it's ambient. Okay. So yeah. that, that's that, that's slightly easier. So so first off is to think about what Amazon shoppers like, mm-hmm. first off. So they love um they love coffee, they love um alcohol, they love soft drinks, they love snacks, mm-hmm. they love health food. Uh, meal kits dry noodles so there's probably um certain restaurants where it's an obvious fit straight away Mm -hmm. so you know wagamama noodle pots or uh oaxaca taco kits Mm -hmm. are on there so the first point is not should i start but to look to see if someone started for you Mm -hmm. so um oaxaca products are sold on amazon Mm -hmm. by third-party sellers um and it's got nothing to do with Oaxaca, as far as I can see. Right. So all these third-party sellers are controlling your um, brand image. Mm-hmm. So first off, the job is to look to see what's going on from a brand management perspective. Yep. And then if you decide that you want to sell or use it as a marketing channel, you just set up a seller account. It's relatively easy to do. Mm-hmm. Um, there aren't huge fees. There is an option to work directly with Amazon. Mm-hmm. It's called a vendor account. That, that, that would have been my suggestion. And then probably the hardest part is figuring out the logistics of it. Mm. So if you already have a product that you're selling to the grocery multiples, mm-hmm. you just have to tell your logistics to ship a pallet over there. And if it's got a shelf life of one or two years, yeah. no problem. Yep. Do that. Easy. If you've got um, a, a fresh product, then you know the market's slightly smaller because it's mainly London and a mm-hmm. couple of other cities where you can get fresh products delivered. But essentially what Amazon does is they send you the orders once or twice a day. Mm-hmm. You put them in a special Amazon bag and walk them to a London pickup point um, where, they, where they are picked up for, okay. for, for same-day delivery. So it's all relatively easy mm-hmm. um, to uh, access, in fact. After that, it gets a bit complicated. So how do I SEO my listings? Uh, do I need to run advertising to drive growth? All those things get complicated. Is that what but an Amazon agency
0: is, might do? Yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I think. I think. I
1: think that the, the reason we exist is a reason like you know most people exist. Either it's because you want expert knowledge, mm. or because things are significantly complicated to do yourself, or mm. you simply don't have time to do it.
0: And does the SEO work in a very similar way to the Google SEOs? A completely different ball game.
1: Yeah, exactly. So um, I typed in um, Pizza Express dressing this morning, mm. and you know straight away that would obviously um come up but what also came up was plaster dressings with 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 an advert so in that case the plaster people had targeted the wrong keywords so it's exactly the same as google you need to protect your own brandy keywords yeah you need to steal share of competitor keywords yeah you need to work out what the generic keywords are in your category, mm. and you need to avoid keywords that you don't want to yeah. target that have a have a double meaning. Yeah, if
0: you do, you know, if people are spelling it wrong or whatever, but margarita, margarita, you know that could end up in all sorts of yeah. places, couldn't it? Tomato sauce and all these different things. But I think um, you know, it, it just is a kind of new world for people. Like I, I don't think they're thinking in that way, and as you say. At the very least, you're doing it as a marketing play rather than doing it as a, a potential revenue stream, yeah. which I think is quite smart. Um, just quickly, while we're on Amazon, and we'll finish off and then we'll go do other things. Uh, Prime Day, right? So you've been doing so much good content. Um, annoyingly, you're always doing it from Brighton and it's sunny and I'm not there and I'm traveling about and stuff and wishing I was there. Um, but yeah, your content's really strong, really well put together. You're getting a lot of good feedback, I know, from multiple people. Um, But, yeah, what about the Prime Day stuff then? Because that's so interesting that people might want to start thinking about it for. Is it just once a year? Yeah.
1: Okay, so next year. So it will be July, usually second, third week in July. It's -hmm. now now two days. I think Prime Day, people think about Prime Day traditionally as more around non-food things like electronics or apparel or something. something. Um, But what was really interesting this year and the last couple of years is that certain products do really well. So if you do have a, a package product, it's worth thinking about. And people might think, um, you know, in, in the in the grocery world where mm. I've been in the last three years, people might say something like, Well, no one's interested in a prime day deal on toilet roll, but they really are. <laughs> so so you might think in the restaurant world, well, with all these great deals on TVs and tablets going on, why would anyone care about my condiment or my yeah. table sauce? But they really do. All you have to do is offer not even a huge discount that hurts your margins. You could offer a small discount. And because there's so much traffic Mm. coming in on Prime Day, sales get a bump anyway. So the simple thing to do if you already have a brand on Amazon for for next year Mm. is to make sure everything's working well. Mm. Check that your ads are working well. Offer a small discount. Double your ad spend. And from the traffic plus your ad spend, you might expect a three to four times sales boost on that day. Yeah. So I would be thinking about if I was a restaurant brand, I would be thinking about how to leverage that, particularly at the mm. summer, to drive in-store bookings. Yeah. So what leaflet or what can I put in the packaging that gives some kind of a reminder or incentive to come into? Do you need a to pay to store? do that though? To so, put it into the packaging. Uh. So. In terms of packaging, you have all the usual challenges of shelf-ready packaging, breaking up um, mm. pallets and, 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 and all that stuff mm. that, that anyone playing with grocery retail or wholesale will, will know. But things like leaflet insertion are um, easy to do or stickering. So those are the things that are um, very um, easy to do. But, but I think I think at that absolute minimum, mm-hmm. if you're visible at a time when there's so much extra traffic. Yeah. Just having people reminded about your product, um, and you know, creating a coupon or a deal that mm. gets people thinking about you differently. Yeah. I think is uh, really interesting. I mean, after all, all the brands that have moved from um, a restaurant chain into grocery, yeah. They've already got that thought right. Mm-hmm. Part of it is, well, wouldn't it be nice if we made quite a lot of sales and we diversify our mm-hmm. business model? but part of it will always be thinking about the retail state as the core yeah so surely the idea is if i have something in my freezer from um, itsu, it makes me think at the weekend of taking my kids to Itsu yeah. rather than prep yeah so the simple extension is that prime can do that uh, or um, amazon as a whole can do that because people are on amazon so often anyway yeah so if you can get the extra traffic are the right people at the right time thinking of you. Mm-hmm. It's exactly as you would with some complex, you know, mobile or online digital campaign yeah. or how you think about your below the line marketing or, yeah. or, 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 even your, your TV and radio spots. Mm-hmm. How do I access people differently? And the great thing about this area mm-hmm. is most people aren't doing it. Yeah. So you're going to get better cut through if, if you do do if you do have the right products and you do start to think of yeah. this well.
0: Well, I think it's um just fight for the kitchen cupboard, almost fight for the kitchen space a share of kitchen. I think that's a really smart point. And also, there's brands that could potentially resell ingredients that are so iconic to them only, for example, that may, you know, as a start to not you know, not invest in pre-packaged products of their own. They could even have their up. Op- so let's say you love polpo. is pretty famous mm-hmm. for the Aperol Spritzies. and all that. Mm-hmm. So maybe you could have a little pulpo kit yeah. that then all they do is just chuck in some merch that's pulpoed. Um, some, you know, little doily coasters with the octopus on or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, and then yeah, they could have a or there's um a tortilla, the the burrito brand. They use cholola. Cholola? Mm-hmm. Cholola? They um the best hot sauce for me, anyway. Um, or you've got meat liquor with franks so you know whatever. So you could, you could potentially, you know, build a little kit around that yeah. while you're developing your own yes. stuff. Is and that, is if that, you is that own the,
1: something, you know, turn turn it into into an eat at home occasion. Makes sense. I mean, imagine a, this will never happen, but mm. um, let's take it back to a really basic example. You know, you've spent decades selling the concept of your special blend of herbs and spices for kfc Mm -hmm. imagine if you just had that sachet that you could do at home with your own chicken one argument would be well that's going to stop people coming into store yeah but i would claim that the other argument is more likely that the more time you spend thinking about that dish Mm. the more time you're connected to the brand which is ultimately what you what you want and Mm. it, it might it might seem odd you might think well why would a restaurant brand ever cannibalize their sales like this? But let's take an example from packaged goods. Mm-hmm. You know, Coke in the States the last couple of years teamed up with the coffee pod manufacturer Keurig, I think I think is the right okay. pronunciation. And they created Coke uh, soda fountains where you can at home create your own soda, just S- like a soda, soda stream or yeah. something. Um, but you can blend up all the different flavors into however you want. now what's really cool about that idea is that i don't think you're going to buy coke less Mm -mm. i think you're going to think about it more and the value of that brand is huge but in that specific case there was an extra advantage that they built into the machine data analytics so in that case we have a product and um a a technique of uh delivering that product Mm -hmm. you find out what people are drinking when who how why so they had like bugged it at home. Is <laughs> That's that what you're saying? Wi-Fi analytics it's, it's a coming, coming, coming back through through the chip. Now, imagine your Pizza Express, and you've worked so hard on the chain, you've worked so hard on your, on your sauce. When I went on to Amazon this morning, when it says people who bought this sauce also bought, do you know what they also bought? Pizza ovens. So if they're going to spend hundreds of you're pounds joking. on a pizza oven, what about a Pizza Express, Sound branded fresh pizza oven. And oh, what about yeah. imagining a world where that pizza oven gives you feedback on the kind of foods that people like? Yeah. Now, wouldn't that be interesting and valuable to lot lo- the whole concept We of should pizza cut this eating? out and go
0: and sell this idea to them. Well, that, I thought that's exactly <laughs> what we were going to do. I thought we were going
1: to slice this up and just send it out. <laughs> I mean,
0: yeah. yeah, there's those data analytics and then, you, yeah, you, you could actually then have the Pizza Express deconstructed pizza, mm-hmm. that then you understand what toppings people are buying and all the rest of it. And then, you know, you might find out the next hack. So, you know, there's the Coke and Fanta hack mm-hmm. that apparently Germans are really mad for, where mm-hmm. you do half and half. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah, you could find out there's a new great flavour of Coke,
1: to back to that example, mm-hmm. or... That's really smart, though, well, isn't it? Well... On that point, the reviews point I think is 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 key so let let, let me give you another package good product so that makes sense mm. have you seen them um, ugly drinks yes uh, launched the last couple yeah. of years it's like bright bold colors but actually the flavor inside it's sparkling water I think it's all natural flavorings mm. and all that kind of stuff but the the flavor is actually very subtle and so when you look at the ratings and reviews on Amazon there are around about three for most SKUs and it's because um, lots of people love it and almost equal amounts of people go it wasn't what I was expecting because the package is so bright Yeah, what's in there doesn't match it's very subtle so isn't that amazing product feedback now imagine if you had spent ages developing these sources and you felt that you knew what was what because mm-hmm. you were, you felt you were getting the right feedback mm-hmm. from customers in store but you know how uncomfortable people are about giving feedback to servers yeah well amazon's a large number of anonymous people that really will rate you it's built into the system Mm -hmm. so if you wanted to understand what people think about your sauce or your coffee or your april spritz or your snacks or whatever it is i think there would be a huge Mm. opportunity so i'm i'm not suggesting you do your product development on Amazon but if you have packaged goods it's a great way of getting that feedback which would affect your marketing at least, possibly the product, but possibly get you great feedback about the brand overall Yeah, that's a good shout Hmm (laughs) There's loads of stuff there So,
0: um, okay, we'll leave uh, Amazon for a bit Um, So, just kind of looking at some of the, the other things then So, food trends, I know you're, like, you know, really hot on this stuff, and I think it's always really interesting when you meet someone where, like, their past is all triangulated to kind of come together. So, I think there's that, you know, restaurant side, I think, the convergence, you know, restaurants, retail, delivery, you know, all that sort of stuff. So, what are you seeing with all that, you know, in terms of, you know, you just eat Uber Eats, delivery, blah, 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 and... Just the convergence of the whole thing because it's quite scary and messy
1: for a lot of operators out there. Yeah, I think I think you know it almost it almost sounds twee to say that Deliverer and Just Eat have changed everything, which just mm-hmm. tells you how much they have mm-hmm. changed everything. Um I think you know one of the joys of being like a, a food tech consultant is you get to sit across lots of areas. Yeah. So you know I don't have the depth of knowledge in the restaurant world that that, that you do, but when you sit across, say Grocery and delivery and restaurants and tech and tech companies, startups, all yeah. this kind of stuff. You start to see the convergence. So, in the last um, last few weeks, when we we're recording this um, podcast, a few a few major things happened. So, um, Amazon invested half a million pounds in Deliveroo. Asda half a million result. half a million pounds yeah. in Deliveroo. Yeah. Um, Asda has started selling its pizzas on Just Eat. And Sainsbury's has started selling a range of its products on Deliveroo. So there's a convergence of models. And the thing that really makes this make sense to me is the things that are going to drive a convergence of grocery, warehousing, and restaurant brands mm. is probably two areas logistics and robots, because yeah. they're being driven by robotics and AI, which are moving much faster than the rest of the food industry. Mm. So, one example of that is there's a great robotics company called uh, Karakuri that just got a few million pounds investment in Ocado. Mm-hmm. And they build robots that can assemble food. Now, if one of the challenges that restaurant operators have is the cost of working with, say, a delivery in terms of the fees plus the extra staff to do that, imagine you get this robot. At the moment, they're working at things like dart stores and restaurants mm-hmm. where you know, food can be prepared either for um, on the go or grocery or delivery. But the aim is to get these restaurants down in size and cost so that every um, uh, chain restaurant would have one of these. Mm. And the idea would be your humans would create the meals in uh, for for the diners and the robot would create a meal um, at much lower cost that's so going out to delivery or going out to... I don't know a warehouse or food service or yeah. whatever else, and when you have that happening, I think we'll see a convergence of models. So why can't a restaurant brand mm-hmm. sell in Tesco in Fresh or deliver to your door through Deliveroo? But at the same time, why can't um, um, why can't a dry noodle company like Kabutu mm-hmm. also sell hot food on the platform or ready to make restaurant kits and sell it through? Yeah. Um, Deliveroo and why can't a traditional grocery brand like Birdseye sell frozen food in the chili cabinet in Tesco and a hot version through Deliveroo and a um, chilled version or even a a meal kit so I think what we're going to see is a convergence of models, the cash is converging Mm -hmm. certainly with the acquisitions and and, and the partnerships and investments Mm -hmm. we talked about. So I think what we need to do is start thinking really differently around what a restaurant brand is. And just thinking
0: about things like the the bird's eye example, who by the way, did a genius thing the other the other week. Um you know like years ago, um and I'll be really sexist just because it's a true example, you know, my mum was really into um, you know, lean cuisine. Yeah. You know, a big 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 brand, right? It's kinda of the special key of the frozen world but they've launched a vegetarian range yeah and they've called it green cuisine and I was like a it just works anyway but b it's a little throwback to the 80s 90s I just was like well done that was really cool yeah um the only thing that might concern me but actually I think you're right and it makes me sad in a way but is could bird's eye produce a meal with those ingredients that would feel better than you could make at home
1: well I think I think the drivers are different. So if you're eating into a restaurant, it's the experience, but it's also around. I can't make this at home sometimes. Um, you know, a whole bunch of other drivers. But I don't think that 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 driver um, is the same with um, delivery. Ooh. You know, I think it's around convenience and uh, a everyday treat uh, and those kind of things. So I don't necessarily want something better Mm. i just want something now and i'm prepared to pay a premium for it so at the moment Mm. you've got traditional brands on the platform Mm -hmm. but you're starting to see all sorts of stuff coming in so ben and jerry's ice cream or um halo top halo top huge premium for that though
0: it's uh, a 750 for a carton of that but it's it almost is too good to be true because it's like you know Two calories for you know eight buckets of it or whatever. Well, <laughs> yeah, I've, I've
1: I've been trying a lot of these ice creams. Uh, yeah, I, personally, I still don't think you can beat full fat yeah, Ben yeah. Jerry's. You yeah. know, it feels like I've eaten three hundred and twenty-eight calories <laughs> instead of a thousand. But you know, sometimes yeah. you want the thousand calories. Yeah. But yeah, yeah I, I don't I don't know. I, I think there's an opportunity here to widen how people um, see a brand. And I suppose my the the fear and the opportunity is that if you see yourselves as a restaurant operator, then that model can be broken by technology and um, uh, very ch- uh, challenging startups very quickly. So look at a company like City Pantry. They deliver foods from restaurant brands mm-hmm. to um, to offices mm-hmm. um, for lunch, and they've just been acquired by Just Eat for £16 million. Now, to me, what that says Is that Just Eat wants a premium London centric brand, but why even have the restaurants? Mm -hmm. You know, imagine if there were models where you know food was produced somewhere, somehow, by someone, Mm -hmm. and the brand was only famous on Deliveroo or Just Eat. And what if that brand became just as famous? So that might seem strange, but we've lived through a world. Where people are Instagram famous only or YouTube famous only, yeah. and now you have brands on Amazon that are huge sellers online, but you don't see in grocery who's, stores. Who's examples of that then? Oh, off the top of my head, I, I, I can't.
0: Say, uh, I wouldn't know. But um, I was thinking it was almost like a bit of a Costco play. You know, you would go. In, used to go into Costco, and you would see those brands, and they were massive like and it was called you know seattle coffee you know it was it was just exactly. a, a one maneuver away oh i tell you as um teotronics right teotronics just it's almost like the new lg where it's like premium branded cat, you know uh, wireless headphones and da, da, but you don't see them anywhere yeah. outside of amazon
1: i mean you know i i, I think i think maybe i'm not necessarily the right the right generation but i think i think this is the point that there are food brands and certainly in lots of other categories Mm. that are becoming very large and famous on amazon that most people have never heard of Mm. now at the moment it's in specific categories like coffee soft drinks snacks Mm. um but there's other brands that recognizing this and doing something about it so grenade um is famous in travel retail and now some supermarkets Mm. but they're huge on Amazon so if we've had this wave of people famous on YouTube Instagram and you have products that are famous only on Amazon is it really too big a leap that you could have restaurant brands that are famous only on Deliveroo or famous only on some platform to me that's not a big no it's not and so the risk is to a restaurant operator how secure is your brand so in a world where city pantry exists how secure is prep when there's a lot of wastage in Mm. in in a in a prep production model you would have less wastage with just-in-time delivery and dart stores especially if you can predict orders so my point is we're very early on the journey but things will change rapidly with logistics and technology and those brands that want to be on the cutting edge have an opportunity to rethink who they are now and like all these waves, mm. the ones who leave it too late will be in trouble. I think it's fascinating. I mean, there's a couple of things just
0: to support some good stuff going on in the the, the industry. So you know, Yo's new CEO Richard Hodgson. So he had retail experience plus Pizza Express and different things, and yeah, he's just went out and said, "Look, we're not just a restaurant operator now," and they're looking at all these different channels. They've went, they've bought and merged with, and all these different things. I'm not sure of all the legals and stuff but they've i think they've acquired um american canadian sort of uh, sushi stalls within supermarkets that you are seeing popping up here as well so he's just saying exactly what you've said is if you just term yourself as a restaurant operator you know you're pretty fucked right let's not be thing about it so you've got that second thing is it just remind me of an example from a couple of years ago which was a great one at the Web Summit out in, the, it used to be Dublin. Mm. Um, ironically, the internet didn't work very well in, <laughs> in the place. So you, you know all these poor people try to flog their app or whatever, going, if you can just imagine there's a yeah. screen that says this, you know, and everyone's like, yeah, okay, next. Um, anyway, so I went to see this uh, speech, and it was a very, very clever creative agency. I can't remember their name. Anyway, they were trying to flog this idea about a Friday-only pop-up sandwich thing that people would go nuts for. It became a kind of yeah. cult. No one, there was a restaurant restaurateur, restaurateur um, go, got in touch or wanted to do it. Obviously they said screw it, I'll do it myself. Yeah. So they called it a killer sandwich, right? And it was, um, and I've already said French already, so excuse my French, but it was a fuck-off sandwich every Friday. This is what it was, right? And it was in Dublin. So you got pretty much uh, notified on the Tuesday, mm-hmm. saying there's limited edition or limited amounts, so many, all done through Twitter. And then you get sent the coordinates or whatever they were going to be at. And you prepaid, so if you didn't go to get it tough. And they, you know, worked the whole day before and the whole night to get them all made. And then it became this kind of thing. So they became super famous on Twitter as a brand, mm. you know, never mind on Amazon, you know what's that. But I think also what we're seeing as a trend is a lot of dark kitchens, there's a lot of savvier brands that are maybe a little bit less relevant on the high street and are trying their best to kind of reboot, but they're starting skunk brands on mm. one particular vertical within their menu. Um, so they're maybe just doing tortillas or they're maybe just doing burgers or they're maybe do, just doing... And they're trying to take it to being like a hip, cool thing, but it's actually from not that hip or cool a restaurant. So we're seeing quite a lot of that as well. So... Mm. yeah it's a bit of a battleground out there at the moment it's all getting really interesting
1: well i think i think what we've learned from grocery food and drink is the last 20 years has been a lot of fragmentation Mm. which is really challenging so convenience stores discounters online all these different fragmentation ideas but then there's also digital that while it's complex and fragmented too can provide this sort of value add layer on top that holds things together yeah so i think this is what we'll see you know imagine a sushi brand that um fragments into some food service and catering services and um uh, vending machines mm-hmm. and chili cabinets in offices and robots delivering to your door and deliveroo and in grocery and all this kind of stuff Sounds incredibly complex to manage, mm. but if you don't, if you're not there, someone else will. Yeah. But all of that can be held together with a digital layer. Yeah. So I think at the moment, a lot of um, restaurant brands think of themselves as a a footfall, a, a kind of footprint of yeah. coverage, That's and they true. think a lot around where best place to open that net store, and they'll spend a lot of time getting the analytics right for that. I think there's a movement where the digital layer is not just social and your website and around marketing. It is around, it's actually becoming feedback and delivery and a layer that you'll build through which some of these fragmented ideas will come off. Mm -hmm. So I'm not suggesting you need to increase marketing budgets. I'm thinking that you need to think uh, with innovation and strategy around what's coming over the next one to five years and what the potential areas are for disruption. Yep. You know, if, if, if someone brought in a bunch of chilled vending machines into central London, that sold sushi, and they were in every single travel hub, what would that do to the sushi brands that have the very expensive retail estate yeah. within those travel hubs and train stations? Yeah. It'd be a huge problem, right? Yep. But Wasabi, SUU, yeah. Wasabi as to your, that wouldn't be, be hard, too hard to do. Mm. There's just some logistics and costs of delivering those logistics, but that's all coming down and it's all moving really really fast with yeah. AI logistics and robots and you know it will it will happen quicker than we think it will yeah yeah again
0: it feels like we're giving away a, a billion dollar idea. So, yeah, anyone listening has got $2 billion worth of ideas wow. between Pizza Express ovens and dough and, and that.
1: You should be charging for this show, right? Huh? <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah uh, please, please subscribe to Patreon
1: um, to, <laughs> to give me some and money. And you're also selling your own branded taco kit, right? There you go. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's it. From Supersonic Inc., this is the Mark McSee Supersonic Marketing Podcast. Wow. Just a friendly reminder that this podcast is brought to you by the good folk at BDO. BDO have been long-term supporters of the hospitality sector and they are really passionate about supporting innovative entrepreneurs on their journeys and they also want to give you the right advice and support to grow your business. Just in case you don't know, BDO provides tailored advice to the sector across corporate finance, due diligence, tax and all accounting matters. BDO work tirelessly to give their clients the advice that they need when they need it to succeed. For more information on BDO and how they can take your business to the top, go to bdo.co.uk. Hashtag ad. Um, So, another thing we were talking about as well was um, optimization in general. So, advice, thoughts, best practice, all that jazz on optimising on, you know, review sites or on, uh, you know, your, your aggregator sites or just any of those sort of tips and hints about what you should be doing there. Because, I you know, I get it all the time, which is people going, a photo shoot, oh, bloody hell, that's going to be 700 quid a day or I'll get someone in for 300 and then they're shit and da-da-da. You know, so just any thoughts and advice on that, just optimising your presence when you are up on these things.
1: Yeah. So I think, I think there's two main learnings we can take mm. again from grocery um the reason why grocery is particularly interested in this in, uh, interesting in this area is that think of a a, a fresh or ambient grocery brand they're not mm. selling direct they have to go through a tesco sainsbury's asda whatever so they, there's lots they can't control in terms of the sales channel. Mm-hmm. So the only thing they can control is the image and sometimes the reviews. So they've had to work really, really hard at getting mm-hmm. this stuff right. So there's a, there's a lot we can learn. The first thing is, if there are places that you can give feedback on customer reviews, mm-hmm. you should be doing it, right? We talked about Amazon, Google's yeah. an obvious place, but it should be timely, it should be relevant, and the content should be getting fed back into the brand and marketing teams to make appropriate sometimes product teams to make appropriate changes so that that's the easy fits i think the other thing is product images first off um some brands have started creating product images specifically for deliveroo and um justy that merges their brand guidelines Mm -hmm. with deliveroo's guidelines mm-hmm. and best practice so in the in the packaged goods world coke does this really well mm-hmm. when they sell their product on delivery and just eat they have a whole new set of images that work for that channel which i think is smart but the basic stuff is is sometimes there's lots of restaurants that don't have product images which is you know maddening
0: really, really bad Absolutely though. Maddening. yeah
1: yeah you know how do i know what that tasty selling dish looks like and because they're thinking like a restaurant they're thinking well it used to be that people that had images of their food were mm. cheap tacky nasty restaurants that's what you get all the time whereas yeah. now it's a necessity but it's not just about the posh photography that makes it look good mm. it's simpler things so um let's say it says tuna salad 400 grams and there's a picture of a plastic container with that salad in. Mm-hmm. Now, is it, is, it, is it a small size or a large size? Is that enough for my lunch? I have no idea. Mm-hmm. So how do we know what the sizing is? How do we know what it looks like? How do we know if we like it? So mm-hmm. there's a whole load of brand attributes that you can do, not just in copy, but in the photography. What's the brand, the sub-brand, the format, the size? and then also you can throw on either marketing claims Mm. or some sales drivers like new stickers on images all the roundels yeah you know offers when they're allowed customer favorite you know exactly yeah like uh, you know goes well with marketing claims but the main thing um that confuses people a lot is size and format Mm. so there's so many examples in the food and drink world um marmite comes in different size jars Mm. how on earth do you know when they're exactly the same shape how on earth do you know which one you're buying yeah you know cereal's another good one yeah do you know that 200 grams 400 grams 600 grams does everyone really know what that is so in the restaurant world you might rely on starter main but when you're selling something and it's giving a size or an image how do you know yeah large kebab or how much that yeah is or what it looks like or is that right for me mm-hmm. what about putting on that attributes is this vegan is it gluten-free yeah. you know if you hide it in the copy you make it hard mm-hmm. putting all this stuff in an image it makes it so much easier when i'm flipping through four to six products with every thumb scroll yeah. as i go through so there's much greater chance that people with good images will get bought and well optimized images for mobile devices will get bought more mm-hmm. and that those who bring marketing claims in will be bought more frequently. Yeah. And that seven hundred quid investment you talked about, now when you start to see it through that lens mm-hmm. of lost orders, I think it's a much more yeah, much more simple argument, right? Yeah.
0: Um just trying to think about some of the other stuff. So we touched on reviews already. Are there any sort of tips or hints on review management and reviews you know incentivization or you know getting people to review or what you take from reviews and then as you say there's the meta you know sort of uh, macro reviews um, and then you've got the review systems like you know your young pingos and feed it back to the world and all the rest of it so how do you see all that you know what what one do you think people are largely using in the main?
1: Yeah I think there's a whole bunch of stuff there. So I love those um, in restaurant feedback. I think how I'd approach that is I'd be thinking um, how, what proportion of my diners have given feedback? So how valid are is the feedback? So mm-hmm. is it just qualitative yeah. or quantitative? So yeah. if one person buys something and doesn't like it, you're not going to, completely change the menu but if all of a sudden you have 10 reviews in the week Mm -hmm. saying the same thing you would tend to think that's relevant yeah but do do the numbers stack up Mm -hmm. like have we got a decent proportion of um people who bought that dish Mm -hmm. compared with the feedback we got so that's one thing i would be thinking about and talking to those companies about the other thing i think about is what channel are you getting the feedback from to me it makes sense that more people will give more Um, more clear-minded feedback when they have less time constraints. So the argument of these companies would be getting feedback when they've just had their food is is going to be top of their mind um, and more people might do it. But I would counter that your loyal customers who live on your Facebook page or have liked your Facebook page, mm. thought about it for a couple of days and come and left a bad review, yeah. they're probably a lot more valuable mm-hmm. than a passing slightly irritated customer who's given a tablet and suggested to give feedback. Mm. So I'd also think about what channel the feedback comes in. Yeah. And then I'd establish internally what I'm doing with that feedback. Mm. So who collates it? Is it the digital person that Um, is fairly siloed within the organization Mm -hmm. or is this um, feedback um, viewed at regular interview intervals with different members of the team. Mm -hmm. So we we talked about it before, but in my mind, a review could speak to a number of things. It could speak to uh, elements of the service. Obviously it speaks to the customer state of mind. It could speak to um, a specific ingredient or a specific dish but it might speak to um, the brand overall. And in online channels, it might well speak to your marketing, the gaps in the marketing. So if someone mm-hmm. says, I'm surprised that this dish tasted like this, it might not be a product problem. Yeah. It might be that you've marketed it in a way that Simple someone thinks it's going to be whatever. different. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. So I think I think there's a range of different People that could get value from it Mm -hmm. so in an ideal world you do all the steps we've discussed Then you would sort of put your reviews into different buckets of what they mean and take them to the relevant person Mm -hmm. within your organization understand when they reach a pivotal level that's Mm -hmm. valuable and then i think a really good thing with digital channels is you can test and learn true so what if you um create a um you know if if you have physical products here What if you create a slightly different variant of the product Mm -hmm. and you don't want to roll it out across your whole restaurant estate? You might test it in a few stores, but you might also test it online just as an image Mm -hmm. uh, or a description Mm -hmm. and see how that goes down and see what feedback you get. Mm -hmm. So I think think there's a range of stuff that you could be doing. The challenge that people will have is, you know, how much time are we spending on this? How relevant is it? So I would start with saying, well, if I've got this data, am I cutting it the right way and, 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 and seeing it in the most relevant way? Yeah. What do, what do, you, what, what do you think? What do you advise?
0: Well, I, I, I think um, there's a couple of things. I mean, I think getting the feedback at the end of the meal, I can understand, you know, all the rest of it. However, my slight issues with it are just being from the customer's perspective, on average, you've spent 12 minutes waiting for the bill. Um, and most people have got somewhere to Is be going. 12 so,
1: minutes on average. On
0: average. That was a start a wee while ago, yeah. Oh. So I think I came from Wagamam or something because they were doing some work on the Master's Card Quicker sort of prepay mm. things. So that was kind mm. of the, you know, we're battling against that kind of thing. So you're doing that. And it's fine. If you want to fill it out, you fill it out. If you don't, you don't. You know, I think it gives you a snapshot in time I think also Um, I, I wonder yeah just about the the quality of it all. it depends how many you're getting and you know anyway, I, I think it's fine but I think it's an add on to others the outside world as well what I'm not a fan of is lots of people going oh TripAdvisor's all of rubbish it's you know fake and yeah sure I'm sure there is and I'm sure there's that kids on there that give you a bad review and I'm sure that you know but in the round, you've got to take a lot of it seriously. I think I would be really focusing on Google reviews mm. uh, in the main, um, and maybe even Facebook before TripAdvisor. Um, but that's kind of the way it's going. Like Google looks like it's going to win out on that.
1: Well, th- Google can really hurt your
0: your footfall, right? Oh, massively. You know, anything if under a four, a what four point two? I mean, four point five you're golden and above 4.2 you're going mm. 4 you're going limit 3 point anything and you're going unless you really know that brand and trust it I don't think you would risk going there Mm. so I think that 4 and above and then I think they're talking about hygiene stuff as well Mm. you know really focusing on 4's and 5's but yeah so I I think it's good all feedback's good all feedback's a gift all that stuff but I, I feel that A a lot of the restaurant companies out there are putting too much effort onto, you know, mystery diners still and it just feels completely antiquated, you know. And I feel they're like professional people mm. doing the mystery shops and mm. it's just I mean, that's like a micro snapshot. So I think it's about building that digital feedback ecosystem where you've got the feed it back yump and whoever. I think that's fine and great and all that. But I think that that only gives you some of the picture. And I might even argue it'd be a psych... It'd be really interesting to find out, like, the age breakdown and all mm. these things in that Instagram generation. Yeah. And I, I, I uh, feel...
1: Is it, is, it, is it only young digital natives that do this feedback? Like, or can, is it Can oldies? someone in their 60s, 70s be bothered or, or not? I, w- I would want to know what the yeah, kind of the, the skew. demographics would look like of the feedback overall yeah. before I... Skew. I mean,
0: so there's that, and then I think I think it's still a bit of a max step, like getting handed a tablet in this day and age where you've got your own phone. But I understand then you've got to get someone over the threshold to fill it out on their own. And so, anyway, I think it's good. Don't get me wrong, but I think that people should really be focusing on that wider world of anonymous reviews. Or you know, I'm curious. I've got uh, the the Podcast ratings, right? And I think two or three people have marked this as one, and I'm going. I don't think it's that bad. Hopefully, <laughs> Um but also, you know, is it just someone's getting it in for you? Is it just um they thought one was high, or they, you know? Because you see that in TripAdvisor a lot. You know, the best hotel we ever stayed at one, and it's mm-hmm. like oh, so I you know I think there's a whole bunch, but I. I what I'd be interested in is, you know, just thinking about what's the best way to motivate someone, incentivize someone to give you feedback mm. in a way that... But, and then the other bit is, what, as you see, what do you do with that information? And I feel as well, a lot of the time, a lot of the restaurant groups are understaffed, mm. um, you know, overwhelmed. And there's a big issue, really, in terms of that big data thinking mm. sort of approach where all the things you're saying. How many people bought that dish versus the feedback? How many? And Mm. I don't know if enough restaurant groups are really treating it the same way that lastminute.com would have or Mm. the same way that a bank would or the same way that a retailer would. So I think there's potentially a discipline area there to, to then help data drive your business. And I don't think enough of us are doing that in the food and drink industry either.
1: Well i think i think there's also a problem in how how much focus there has been on reviews you Mm. know it's become a sort of cultural mainstream idea of people piling on with negative reviews and trolls and i think all of that heightens people to think that data collection around their restaurant brand means reviews Mm. but i think you could couch that as you hinted at in like a different world of big data which i know is a horrible term a lot of work but um There are other sources of data. So Twitter or Facebook sentiment analysis might be as valuable about your brand as the feedback. They certainly should be measured side by side. You know, certainly um, the same or less costly than the review solutions. But then what about um, there's a great Israeli startup company? I think they're called TasteWise. Okay. And they crawl loads of online um, menus to look for food trends so they'll say ah oh, this uh, this new purple ice cream has got this special root ingredient that's trending at the moment and so you can think about data uh, and certainly uh, food and drink package goods manufacturers mm-hmm. think of data this way you could think of data as helping you create your menu and the trends yeah. you know why is it only being created by either your panels or your or your great um chefs and, 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 and executive chefs and all of that why not think about data mm. as ways of proactively inputting into the business yeah. you know what are people talking about what packaging do they like what foods are trending mm-hmm. and I think the best um, the best quit service brands sort of do this intuitively they sort of take a pulse of the street and they look what yeah. people are eating how they're how they're eating but you could do it at a data level you can yeah. pull in a whole load of Images of what kind of brands people are using, you can look at trends around sustainability mm-hmm. and whether or not that 's important yeah, you know yeah. take take for example the sustainability issue i 've been in a number of coffee shops the last few weeks where they all have these policies around um, recyclable cups or plastic cups you know it 's a massive thing yeah with 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 particularly younger generations and um, yet yeah, there 's been a number of times where um the recyclable option or um the physical mug isn't available, a broken dishwasher or yeah. we've sold out these things and it's just like, oh, so we're now giving out plastic cups to everyone who's like drinking in.
0: Yeah. Or the worst one is when they've run out the wee sleeves, let's say, and then yeah. they're giving you double, triple cups. Oh, yeah. And you're triple like,
1: whoa. Yeah, and and, and to them it's just an operational problem that they fixed. Mm. To me it's a brand management problem mm. because you spent millions on this um the logistics the sourcing the product Mm. and the um the communication of this new initiative and yet if it falls down my experience might be oh this brand doesn't care about sustainability so on 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 one hand there's all sorts of data out there but you could also be looking at the proactive trends and saying well can we do anything with with Mm. what we deliver you know on On one hand, you might spend a lot of money on great kids' packs, and parents may love that. Another set of parents may look at it and go, well, it's a load of disposable paper and plastic and wrapping and gifts that I don't Mm -hmm. use. There seems to be some um, kickback against McDonald's Happy happy Meals, for example. So, you know, that's a great example where you can't just um, figure that out internally. You need to collect data from lots of different sources and crunch Mm. it. So I think there's a lot of proactive work that could be done around yeah. brand experience food uh sustainability ingredients yeah. and I wonder whether all those different areas are being proactively looked at by the biggest chains
0: i don't I don't think enough you know big chains middle chains independence you know i I just don't know if the the true discipline is there I think a lot of restaurants are kind of ops-led, kind of gut fuel led a bit of customer-led, but I don't know if there's too many out there. You might see it with the the dark brands and the the Deliveroo brands. They might start doing that a bit more, which, you know, you'd really welcome, but I don't know if anyone is obsessed about data and that commanding most things that they do with a little bit of a human filter on top. So, yeah. It should be, right? Yeah, it should be. It should be, but I think... It's just, um, it's going to take time, I think, you know, for people to get their head around it. You know?
1: what, 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 about, what about food preferences, right? So, mm. um, mo- like, I was surprised when I walked into Weatherspoons recently and uh-huh. I had different menus. You were just like, surprised yeah, yeah. that you were in a Weatherspoons. <laughs> I was there. Uh, well, I love I, 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 I did feel a bit snobbish about it and it happened to be a great, a great place. Order to your table app. Yep. But the interesting thing was different menus for different food preferences, Mm -hmm. separate menus. So it made it really easy, colour-coded. It was a brilliant experience. And I I was surprised at how well that chain had thought about it. Now, the stat I saw recently said that 78% of people had some kind of food preference. So we used to live in a world where we had to think about nut allergies and vegans and all this kind of stuff, where it was a must-have. You can't get it wrong. Or there's someone's health or someone will be extremely irate we now live in a world where there's a lot of preferences where someone might just feel that they don't quite like gluten to the extent that they don't want it in any of their products and if you can't explain that well you're putting off those people if it is true that 78 percent of people and certainly with a yeah. family or a group dining out there'll be a number of preferences yeah. if that's true then the current restaurant experience is failing at crunching that big data understanding what to do about it and then delivering back those food preferences and the great customer Mm. experience for me it's not good enough to see a sign that says ask behind the counter if you've got an allergy it's not an allergy it's about food preferences yes so how do we do that there are companies out there like spoon guru Uh, I've been you know for transparency I've been doing a little bit of work work with them recently but they mainly work with um, grocers like Walmart in the US and Tesco here to tag up all the different food preferences Mm -hmm. and sustainability as well but in restaurants a few places have an app but the customer experience for the world where people have preferences that aren't necessarily um hugely important from a pr or health point of view Mm -hmm. but are extremely important to those individuals personally just customer satisfaction isn't it yeah so we've got to get ahead around that and that starts with data Mm -hmm. so i think you know there's a number of reasons why companies should be thinking about a data Mm -hmm. driven approach and Mm -hmm. not ahead of digital from a marketing perspective Mm a um a data ahead of data that thinks about the business entirely through a data lens lens you know if if businesses aren't thinking that way mm. they've got limited time before they're before they're disrupted maybe, maybe that seems a bit negative but you, you you sort of understand what i'm saying you need yeah. to I, I think, get on this because things are changing
0: well yeah and well i'm thinking about time as well there's a couple of things um just sort of summing up as well and i just want to check we've covered everything but we're sort of saying to people like you know data's the way to go um Really take feedback seriously. Amazon, you know, start poking around that and thinking about how you can be on there in a meaningful way. Um, you know, optimising your options and, and really being aware of this convergence of retail and delivery and restaurants. And and the threat from people, you know, could you imagine that you went out of business because Birdseye took your market share? You know, that's going to You it know, seems crazy, right? Yeah, but, but... not implausible. So that's kind of really cool. There was a couple of things um, that Gabby wrote down here. So um, we're just thinking about uh, the the sort of go to market strategy for any food entrepreneurs. Um, You know, just if there's anything we hadn't covered on that, you know, was there any advice about that? Really,
1: we don't know. Do you have something specific in in mind? Well, I guess it's a lot.
0: Well, it's a lot of what you said. I think, which is, you know, if it was you. You would be starting on digital channels and not in physical, so you'd potentially not be opening that pop up somewhere. You'd potentially not be investing in the bricks and mortar and all the heartache that goes with it. Because it's so interesting. Let's say you 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 get a site and then you put a premium on top, potentially if premiums are still happening, um, and the investment and the staff and the decor and that the, you know, if you just took that money and put it into a digital kitchen. Hmm. I mean,
1: you could get so far ahead. That maybe you? says pop-ups. I mean, what what's what's the name? Um, I saw them speak recently. I've forgotten what they call. What, what's the name of the um, of the cupcake business that has lots of smallers, lola's. lolas? Yeah. So lolas, I think, is really interesting. Yeah. You know, they do have a retail footprint, but it's mainly certainly in London. Oh. It's mainly very small it's concession almost, stands. It's almost
0: getting to your. In Uh, tube stations, vending machines, you were talking about it's almost getting to that, isn't it? They
1: do so, um, they're rapidly increasing their sales online. Which Mm. I I, I honestly had no idea that they had an online presence, let alone how well it was doing for sales. It's Mm. it's soaring, and then you can pick up from like Amazon type lockers. Mm. Now, I'm not not sure the details, but the presentation someone can pick up your cupcakes from from Amazon. And my starting point was why would you do that? But when you think about the gifting opportunity or if if you get into the habit of it or if you combine the fact that you've got these high footfall concession stands at tube stops Mm. and then there's an opportunity to educate people around where they can order and pick something up near their place of work or how they can do it for a gift or office catering, then you can start to understand how online ordering makes sense. So... I think they've thought about their business in a very sort of digital, logical, data-led yeah. way that still massively encompasses retail. Now, maybe it's a slightly unfair advantage because it's not like they own large footfall restaurants and it's not, you know, it's, 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 it's food to go. Yeah. But there are other examples. So Sweetgreen in the, in, in the US oh. are, are a technology company in the same way that ASOS is a technology company Ooh. that happens to be in fashion. Yeah. And every time you have someone that goes into a traditional business that calls themselves a technology company first, they always disrupt things. So they do a lot of what we're talking about, mm. about being data first, but it ends up with some quite basic regular things. So they suggest that people walk into store and pick up their lunch order, mm. um, but they collect orders from their work colleagues at the same time. And I think I, I think this is them. They they give a sliding discount based on how many orders they pick up for other people. So it's not all about robots and delivery and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they've thought about it from measuring the data, figuring out what people want, yeah. and then providing a solution that's complementary to their existing in-store dining yeah, yeah. experience. And I think I think um, what we're broadly talking about is you know I wish there was a better word than thinking outside the box, mm-hmm. right? but we're broadly talking about um, looking at areas for innovation it's a, it's a, from la- outside. Lateral
0: thoughts as well. You know, it's kind of quite, you know, in tune, but quite lateral in terms of that's a brand new way to do loyalty, which is if you do the salad run, then you get rewarded for it, I yep. think, which is really cool. Nice, huh? I think it's brilliant. And the ones I've always wanted to get my hands on, right, is Millie's Cookies, Ben's Cookies, any of these cookie brands. They are untapped giants. You could make millions for them. Mm. Just if someone gave you the keys and just said, Right, go for it digitally.
1: Right. Um, I think you know, I think it could be huge. Well, for for me, the most talked about cookie thing ever is in um Double Tree um hotels. Uh Where you go in and when you check into Doubletree Hotel, they have a little cookie heater Yes, and they go, welcome to Doubletree, amazing stay, have a warm cookie on us. Now, the massive untapped opportunity is they're probably paying very little for those cookies, but Millie's to serve that. Mm. Because it's such a surprise and delight moment in an experience of hotel check-in that normally isn't fun. Yeah, People talk about it. Every time you've had that experience of getting a cookie from a Doubletree for the first time, you tell everyone about it. Now, if that was branded, that would be an amazing thing. So that's a really good example of that kind of lateral thinking. Mm -hmm. There's possibly no one within Millie's thinking about how to join up there. But I'll I'll, I'll give you another example. I was talking to um, a noodle pot company, and they uh, sell their noodles on a number of in-store flights. Uh so operationally you could see it as that's a small account it's food service it's different packaging products it's a bit of a pain but my view is that what a great way to test the market in overseas countries yeah if this if there's a lot of routes into europe and america well wouldn't it be great to tweak the packaging on the product to say and when you get home if you like this pot You can buy more noodles like this on Amazon, Mm. and then see what the sales velocity is in that in that new country. So you're moving to France or Germany or 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 wherever it might be, and then before you get a new distributor and think differently about that country, you can start there. Mm -hmm. So again, these are all opportunities of just looking at models outside of traditional restaurants or looking at tangential models, applying some sort of standard digital and data level thinking. And kind of throwing everything up and yeah. see what lands, and if ninety percent of it is too way out, too expensive, too crazy, you might just get that one, one little nugget yeah, that makes and, sense, th- right? That's
0: all you're looking for—is just that nugget that could change your change your whole life, you know?
1: Right. <laughs> well, let's let's not get that far, but no, but
0: I'm always <laughs> optimistic about it. You know, I'm always on the search for. You know, just something that then builds a hypothesis that then builds a new model that then, you know, stops you just thinking like a restaurant operator, you know? So it's all there for the taking. Right, a couple of final things then. Um, We've got a wee section called Mark Out of Ten and we ask the guests a a few questions about their favourites and not favourites. So, favourite city to
1: eat in? Ah, well, me and you live in Brighton, right? Yes! So... It has to be Brighton. Come on. It has Good. to be Brighton. There's there's no there's no choice. But then I'm sort of discounting all cities around the world, but it's Brighton. That's fine. Yeah, that's why we're there. So favourite restaurant? Oh, wow, that that is a tough one. Well, at the moment I've got young kids, so it 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 ends up being itsu. Right. So there's all sorts of restaurants that, you know, would be nice for a nice fancy fancy meal. But Itsy tits all the boxes because it's incredibly fun. Mm. There's something for everyone in the family. The kids are obsessed with sushi at the moment. Yeah. The whole experience is is, is beyond the food. Like every single element from the sort of kids' boxes to the, you know, go and get your own sauces to, you know, the the, the seating. Everything is fantastic. It makes it an event instead Mm. of just grabbing a sandwich in prep yeah it's it's a real event I don't I think I think they've worked really hard on the experience aspect Mm -hmm. but at the same time keeping costs and logistics really low and I think that's really clever
0: yeah no I love it Um what is your sort of best dish what's your favourite thing what for me to cook yeah yeah not for you to have just to eat in general what's your what do you crave what's your go to Thai curry
1: Okay, Thai green curry. Every time. And
0: uh, are you been to Unitai and Cafe Chili in uh, Brighton?
1: Yeah, I, uh, I I met I met the guy who runs Cafe Chili the incredible. other day. Um, never run a restaurant before. Been running it for about six years. My favorite dish there they do. It's called I love salmon, which is uh-huh, ri- the ridiculous menu. name yeah, for a dish. Yeah. Couple of lovely salmon fillets, red curry sauce with that morning glory, yes. uh, green green vegetable, yeah, yeah. and it is delicious.
0: Yeah, I discovered them on Deliveroo actually, and it was one of the best meals I've had in the last 10 years. Wow. At, at home, you know, just incredible.
1: i tell you what gives it a run for its money though, is uh, up the road is Giggling Squid, which I know is a, yeah. a, a, a chain. Yeah. Um, but I, I, you know, for years I, 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 di- I didn't know they had any other stores. It felt like just the best yeah, independent. Thai restaurant ever, and they, they did this sort of lunchtime tapas thing, where you get three or four different things on a plate for Something like eight pounds. Wow. And it's just on the way back from Tesco. Yeah, yeah. So if it's nice weather and we me and my wife did a big, big shop, shop. You know, we might go, well let's let's pop back and have a Yeah. Have a quick Thai lunch. A
0: giggling squid. It's lovely. Yeah, nice work. Um and then best drink, what's your go to?
1: Hmm. Well, if I'm choosing any drink, then it is um my espresso machine at home, which is such a boring cheap but with (laughs) with those uh law coffee pods yeah so it has to be a metal coffee pod Mm. tried all the ones with plastic and they break it but the coffee just seems uh great it's just perfect and to me it feels like such a indulgence out of all the toys you buy yourself Mm -hmm. the coffee machine gets used you know twice to four times a day yeah yeah it's you know once you once you've got that pop machine, I know I'm destroying the world yes. with the coffee pods, but it really is something that every day gives me a little moment of pleasure. And I think lift. if you can navigate by like small moments of pleasure, especially with food, a yeah. small little sip and go, that's just really nice. Yeah, yeah. Then then, then your life is better for it.
0: Well, I had a great piece of advice actually from a, a real true coffee expert um, a few years ago. And I was asking him about coffee machines and I was writing my coffee and they said, look, just up until about £2,000 and more, just get a Nespresso or a Tassimo. Just that's what you, other than that, you know, you're wasting your money on really? a coffee machine or, or, you know, or get the two thousand five thousand you know supercharged amazing thing but pretty much up to then it's just just stick with that it's, it's good it's good enough um, and then final question uh, worst restaurant you know what do you not like what have you had a terrible experience in feel free to name and shame <laughs>
1: Well, in my previous career, I, yeah. was, a, I was a journalist. Uh, and, oh. and at the end of my journalistic career, I worked on local magazines and I had to review restaurants. Oh, wow. and there, there, there was one that didn't exist anymore. But I, I didn't understand that when you review restaurants for local magazines, you have to say they're all good. So I think it was like a sort of um, chocolate chili sauce that was thick and gloopy and really, really horrible. And maybe I was having a bad mood, but I genuinely thought that readers of local titles wanted an honest review, Ooh. and I, and I wrote this, and the fallout was quite painful. So that 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 sticks in. Was that in Brighton? In in my memory, yeah. Oh. But the, but the thing that really bothers me these days is that there was another restaurant, and it, it was a Thai restaurant. I won't I won't name it because maybe it was my experience, but it it sort of speaks to how things have changed these days. On Deliveroo, it had these amazing ratings. So we thought, well, let, we love Thai. Let's try this new one. And the food was really, really poor quality. And then how they'd um, wrapped it to keep it warm was um, you know, lots of cling film and cardboard Ooh. and stuff. And Deliveroo gives advice about that stuff yeah. these days. You don't have to screw it up. And it was really terrible, but it totally mismatched the reviews. So that was a really good example where I was just confused Mm. you know was it just me was it a bad day but the food was so bad that i couldn't you know understand maybe it was a chef that got fired that day or something yeah yeah. but there was this watch out where i so trusted the reviews i I hadn't eaten there hadn't got any person recommend recommendations i just trusted the review Mm. and it was horrific and now you'll never get me to go in there again Mm. so that's an example where a a digital-led thing has meant that i've discounted that that entire restaurant for life yeah yeah
0: yeah i think it is one chance now and you're just like you're over it you're over it cool well listen thanks so much for coming in on this 37 degree day hottest day ever i think almost isn't it yeah and yeah i'll catch you in brighton soon we're gonna hopefully do some cool things together at some point i think there's a nice wee match there and um I've just learned so much. I think lots of people will get so much out of this and it will be
1: shared far and wide, I'm sure. So Yeah. Well, thanks. maybe maybe we should get people to give us feedback, right? Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, try
0: and get those ones away from my yeah. reviews. Yeah. Give us all ones for yeah, this podcast yeah, yeah, yeah. now. Yeah. It hurts. I'm crying at night. Thanks so um, much for having me, man. No, no, Thank it's you. my real pleasure. And, yeah, I hope you have a nice, cool rest of the day. Thanks, man. Thank you. Cheers so there you have it what an incredible guest viv was today so much information i'm really going to start taking that back to my clients and really encourage them to think seriously about the aggregator sites more serious about reviews and also much more serious about all of the ways they can get onto amazon a huge thanks also to yourselves for listening I really am shocked, surprised and amazed at all of the great listener figures we're getting more and more people each week so thanks so much for doing that please do tell one friend if you can and get more people into listening to the podcast massive thanks to our sponsors BDO for the support since day one to really help me make this podcast even better and get it out to even more people so thanks so much BDO a huge thanks also to Gaz and Gabby For putting together the podcast Uh, It's just an awful lot of hard work But I really really appreciate their help So great to get that out there So this is me Mark McSee Signing off, thanks so much For listening, bless you for taking the time To tune in and I really hope that this podcast Has given you amazing value That will really help Your brand boom